1: Where is God's glory found? Well, it's found in His gospel, as we'll see next on Times of Refreshing. From the well, a Christian community in Livermore, California, hi there, and welcome to our broadcast, This is Times of Refreshing, featuring our teacher and pastor, Pastor Napoleon Kaufman. We're back in 2 Corinthians today, chapter 4, looking at the first four verses. It's there that we see this glorious gospel that Paul speaks of. And it is a glorious gospel because it reveals the glory of God, as we're seeing in our series, His Glory. Take the time to join us, won't you? Again, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Here's Pastor Napoleon Kaufman now with today's broadcast.
2: It says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the Word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, Commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Whose minds the God of this age, the devil, the God of this age has blinded. Who do not believe. Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Who is the image of God should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bond servants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, he says, in the face of Jesus Christ. You know the message is, is so important to the people of God. And I think that sometimes we can get sometimes so consumed with the social aspect of church that we lose sight of the fact that um, one of the primary purposes for us being here is to hear the word of God, to be taught the word of God, to be instructed in the word of God, to allow the word of God to become a part of our life and to germinate within us. And then from the inside out, we begin to change. And the Word of God is so important for us as a church community. God, through His Word, He helps to instill doctrine within us, helps to create a foundation. The beautiful thing about this Bible is this Bible has the ability to help us in, ba- in virtually every aspect of our lives. And it is, it is given to help us to establish a firm, firm foundation for our lives. What kind of foundation are you building on? Well, we want our foundation to be built upon the truth and the truth of God's word, the truth of the gospel, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And so for us, it's important that we really understand that when we come to church here, we want to we have a heart to receive. Not just to hear, but to receive. Now, we want to test the message. We want to weigh it and make sure that we're doing our due diligence to make sure it's lining up with the scripture. But at the end of the day, our hearts should be open. I want to receive the word of God. And this is part of the reason why I'm coming. I want to come to worship and praise God. But I want to come to hear the word of God. There's a social aspect to it. We love that too. But that's not the primary reason why God has brought us together. And so we want to constantly keep that in mind. The message is key. The world is trying to pump us with a message. Whether we realize it or not. Television, radio, friendships, relationships, school, people are trying to push a message upon us. Virtually at all times, you're getting something pushed upon you. Whether it is a commercial that's trying to get you to buy a certain product. Whether it is in, in, certain, in schools where they're trying to get you to, to learn a certain way of thinking or a certain philosophy. People are trying to push their agenda upon us, and we have to be very sensitive to that and understand how to eat the meat and spit out the bones. Can I have an amen, y'all? Know what is good for you and what is not good for you, and that's part of what the Bible does. It helps us to be able to distinguish between that which is clean and that which is unclean. So that as we're navigating through life, we don't get caught up in everything. And though you hear something, it doesn't mean that you always necessarily receive it. We understand it. And so for us as the people of God, we have to have good filters. Good filters. Know how to to get stuff out of your life from a teaching standpoint that is not healthy for you. That's not going to produce good fruit. Know how to have relationships with your friends and understand when it 's the devil talking through your through your friend and when it 's God. Know how to navigate within your family when 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 things are going on and know the difference between something that is truly biblical and something that is just a tradition. All these things are healthy for us so that we we have to understand this so that we stay in that good place and it 's healthy for us to to constantly analyze different things and not just receive everything that comes across the television everything that comes up in a relationship and then now watch this y'all and then have enough humility before god to say god i don't know everything i don't one of the greatest things that's destroying the human race is that we have too many opinions we think we know everything Instead of asking God, what does he think? This Bible is God's thoughts on paper. He gives us a glimpse into how he thinks, how he feels. And it's good to measure how you're thinking to this, not just to your homegirl or your homeboy. Not just to your friends or what the teacher said. We have, this helps us to develop a strong filter so that when stuff is coming out of us, we have something to weigh it by. Is this true or not? But we know this to be true. So we have something that helps us to measure everything else by. But instead what people do is they just gravitate towards what feels good to them. Instead of that which is right in the sight of God. Can I have an amen? Because sometimes what may feel good to you is not good for you. And it may not be God. So we have to find out. Is this, well let's weigh it by the, let's weigh it by the plumb line. Y'all didn't even know I had this up here, did y'all? This is called a plumb line. And we want to measure whatever we're preaching, whatever we're teaching, our views, it's got to be plumbed. Is it true? Is it accurate? Is it the right thing? And for all of us here, we want to constantly be aware of this and get into our Bibles so we can get a hold of the truth. Can I have an amen? And when that happens, God begins to give us a great defense against every, everything that's coming at us. You Notice know, a scripture, and i was sharing this with the leadership team, and I was sharing this even this morning. We talked about this little... Uh, A little while ago in our meeting. Jesus said beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. He said beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of of Herod. And, And the Pharisees. I mean the Pharisees represents a religious system. That has been corrupted. Herod represented a political system. That had been corrupted. Jesus is talking to his disciples, he said, Beware of them. Beware of the leaven. And what he's talking about is there's teachings that, that and, and there's teachings and doctrines and beliefs that are constantly being spewed, that are going to be spewed and are being spewed from both of these, these angles. And we have to be able to deal with the religious system that in some ways has become corrupted. And we do that by getting back to the Word of God and making sure we're plumbing what we're receiving and we're constantly aware of the Scripture. And we know our Bibles. And then also a political system. The political system is so hyped and hot right now. And instead of people getting in their Bibles and and really plumbing it out and allowing God to speak to them, we just get swept up. And so Jesus said, Beware of this. Beware of this. And so for us... As saints, the message and knowing the message and understanding the glory, the glorious aspect of the message is going to help us to be able to sustain, be sustained through life and make it to the very end. How many want to make it to the end? Well, this is what it takes. I got to know. I got to know who Jesus is. I got to know who my Bible. I've got to study. I got to be diligent and make sure that I stay on point because all this is being pumped at me at all times. Now, I want to take this a step further, though, because one of the things that happens to us as we're going forth into the world to try to see people get saved, get to know God, is that we don't we don't understand that the the, the true power is in the message. Okay. now listen to what I'm saying here. The true power is in the simplicity of the message. What we've done is is we've taken the message and in some cases we we put so many phylacteries and everything else on it that it loses the simplicity of its power because we're adding all this other stuff to it. And like I've been preaching the last couple weeks and now coming to church is more about a show. And catering and pandering to people instead of magnifying the glorious God that we serve. And and allowing him to be exalted and to be glorified. And the message, him being the focal point of the message, which in turn shapes and changes and and helps people in their lives. But what happens is we've got off course. And now um, you can get to a place where it just becomes a big performance. everything is a performance and it loses the power and the simplicity of it and now we get so consumed now watch this we get so consumed with the messenger that we lose sight of the message that's my favorite preacher And what happens is, for a lot of people, they get consumed not with the message of the preacher as much as the personality of the preacher. And then the message takes a back seat to all of the phylactery. And instead of us glorying in the message, we start glorying in the messengers. And we don't have a healthy understanding that you're not going to be standing before that messenger on judgment day. It's the message that is the, uh, that 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 we have to be really locked into, and I love this because the Apostle Paul said himself that his speech was contemptible, and his bodily presence was weak. The Apostle Paul didn't look the part, but he had the message. He didn't. He didn't. His bodily presence wasn't attractive. It's not what drew people. It was the words that were coming out of his mouth. That's what made the difference. And for us as saints, we can't get so consumed in the suits, in the ties, and the, in the light shows, in the phylactery, and the personalities, and the dress, and the this, that we lose sight of the fact that this is about the message. What is the message that is going forth? And I'm all for, you know, us... Looking nice and doing all those things. But if we come to church and we're just coming to church and all we're thinking about is who's going to have their favorite hat on. Then we're not there for the message. We're there for the show. Can I talk about this this morning y'all? And the church we've got to a point where we're so consumed with all this stuff. And I'm not saying those things are necessarily bad. But they're not primary. And then we get so consumed with, well, I can't go to that church because they're not hooping. (laughs) Well, I'm used to, you know, we got to get fired up like that. Well, maybe God wants you just to sit down and hear the simplicity of the Bible. Not just the favorite quoted scriptures. But to hear the simplicity of the message, which is going to change people's lives. Because God does not, he's not in the business of confirming us. He's going to confirm his word that's coming through us. Can I have an amen, y'all? And so people want the show. But it's the simplicity. Jesus would sit on a hill and sit back there and he would just talk. And the words that he would speak were spirit and they were life. And the effect of those words are what changes a person's life. That when God begins to speak through a person and then he confirms the word by the power of God being released and people's lives being changed, that's what we're looking for. And so the Apostle Paul, as he's sitting here talking to the church of Corinth, he reminds them of this and he helps them to understand, and I love it. But we, look at verse 2, have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. But by manifestation of the truth, committing ourselves to every man's conscience, he says, in the sight of God. People are using the word of God deceitfully. And they think that preaching the gospel is an easy way to make money. And that it's easy. Let me tell you something. If you're really doing this and doing it and the right way in the sight of God, this stuff will break you down. You gotta have God. You know how many pastors are quitting every year? Just, I'm out of here. You've got to deal with some really tough stuff, just in the natural. Dealing with people's attitudes. Peeling people's opinions, dealing with people's messes, and then and that's and that's just dealing with people going through their process of growth. I get it. But then also having to deal with somebody dying suddenly? Kid issues, family issues, then you got your own. This is not for the faint of heart. And it is not easy to do this. Moses said, Lord, if you're going to treat me like this, then just kill me. (laughs) You better open your Bible to the book of Numbers. And he said it. Because it's, it's not easy. And so what happens is people don't. And so people get up and then they start using the word deceitfully. And they think it's some kind of a show. And they make a mockery of it. And it turns people off. But I love the apostle Paul. He said, but by manifestation of the truth, he said, committing ourselves to every man's conscience. He lived right in the sight of God and he handled the word of God truthfully. He says, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. The God of this age, the devil, the Satan... Understand, saints, that's the other aspect of it. You're dealing with people's personal stuff and your own stuff and life. And, and life it can be tough sometimes. But you're also dealing with the devil who's trying to kill you. And he'll start speaking all kinds of stuff into your mind. He'll try to tempt you on every side and put pressure on you to do things that are unethical, un- immoral. Immoral things that are detestable in the sight of God and do those things and keep on coming to church and act like nothing's happening. Can I have an amen, y'all? Can I talk about this this morning and act like everything's cool? Don't worry about it. And the devil, he wants to marginalize us, get us to a place where that's how we, how we're living. But yet we just keep going on. And for us, is my mic going down? Can you guys hear me out there? And for us, we want to make sure that as the people of God, that we're constantly saying, I got to get in the word of God. I want the message to be fixed. And this is about the message. He says, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord, and ourselves, your bond servants for Jesus' sake. So the message isn't about me. It's not about you. He says we don't preach ourselves. And I love the Apostle Paul for this because he knew that's what it's about. The power is in the glorification of Jesus. And then God responds, he begins to change people's lives when he becomes the centerpiece. And the message is about him and and glorifying him. And so what happens for us is we have to keep that in mind because sometimes we just read our Bible and the only thing that we're really thinking about is how is it going to profit and benefit me? Can I have an amen, y'all? How is it going to benefit me, brother? I don't care about all this. Well, wait a minute. Well, let's talk about the glory of Jesus. Let's talk about the blood of Jesus. We're talking talking about, let's talk about how what he did brought redemption and healing to humanity. Let's talk about his splendor, his majesty, his honor. Let's talk about how awesome he is. Let's talk about the fact that when you was out there running the streets, he was running after you. And that he pursued you. That he loved you enough. That he didn't let the devil take you out before your time. Then when you start thinking about what Jesus did for us. And how he's still working in our lives. How you got angels that have been assigned to your life to keep you. Can I have an amen? And to protect you and to watch over you. And that God Almighty, his presence is with you and his spirit is in you. That Jesus Christ came to the earth, healed the sick, walked on water, did all those great things for humanity died, rose from the grave, sitting on the right hand of the Father, and he is still your advocate. He is your kinsman redeemer. And that everything is for his glory. And for us, we don't preach us. Preaching us isn't going to do anything. It's preaching him that's going to bring the breakthrough. Can I have an amen? It's magnifying him. I love the fact that the Apostle Paul, he said this to the church of Corinth. Because the devil wants to veil people's minds, but the only thing that can tear the veil away is the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Not my denomination, not my affiliation, not my relationships. It's the power of the glorious gospel of Jesus that removes the veil. And this is what we want to make sure we're constantly focusing on. For it is the God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts... To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, he says, in the face of Jesus Christ. I love it. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I want you to see this. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8 on down to 11. It says here in verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer. This is Apostle Paul talking again. He says, as an evildoer, even to the point of change. But the word of God is not what? Change. But the word of God is not chained. But the word of God is not chained. The Apostle Paul, and I love this, he had opposition. He had opposition from the Jews. He had opposition from the Greeks or the Romans. He had, oppo- he had opposition. They didn't like his message. They despised this message. To the point that some the Judaizers would come behind him when he would go into a city and preach the gospel. And they would come and bring their message right behind to try to bring confusion to the people that he had just ministered to. They would follow him around on his circuit. To try to trip him up and to try to bring, to throw, to throw dirt in the water, if you will. To bring confusion to the people. And so the message was a problem for the devil. Because he knows that there's power in the gospel to change a person's life. He doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if you just go to a church. He doesn't want you to hear a good message. Because we're all born again by the incorruptible seed of the word of God. And so he don't want you to hear the message. So he came behind. And so the Apostle Paul, this is what he dealt with to the point that they arrested him and shut him up in chains. And they tried to stop him. But he wasn't the power. And so I love what he says here. It's beautiful. He says, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. He says, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of change. But the word of God is not chained. He knew you can't stop this message, though. You may chain me up, but as long as I got a voice, the message is still going to go out.